When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why do we celebrate Halloween? Where do traditions like trick-or-treating and haunted houses come from? And what kind of meaning can Americans find in this shared holiday? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. As you are well aware, 2020 has been quite the crazy year. We have spent months in lockdown. We're nearly one week away from a presidential election. A global pandemic continues on. The days are getting shorter. And if you need one more spooky thing, on Saturday, it is already Halloween. At a time when there's so much division in our world, I think that it's sometimes helpful to focus on those constants in our lives, those traditions that we can count on every single year. The simple things like pumpkin-shaped candies, jack-o'-lanterns, skeletons, kids in costumes, haunted houses, trick-or-treating, things like that. You know, as we transitioned out of the ups and downs of summer, autumn came, and with it, Halloween to kick off the winter holidays. So I thought today we could turn back the clock and rediscover why we celebrate this shared fall time experience. To talk me through all things Halloween, I am joined by Leslie Bannatine. Leslie is an American author who writes extensively on Halloween, its history, its literature, and contemporary celebration. Her work has appeared on the History Channel, in Time Magazine, Slate, National Geographic, and more. She's also contributed to the Halloween article in the World Book Encyclopedia. Leslie, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're quite the expert. I I mean, when people ask you, would you rank Halloween as your favorite holiday? (laughs) I would really have to say yes. I mean, that's a (laughs) no-brainer. Well, of such cool history, and I'm excited to get into it with you. So let's start at the beginning here. Where does Halloween first appear? in our history, Leslie. Talk to me about the Celts. Sure. It first shows up, or a holiday that's very much like Halloween, first shows up around 2,000 years ago in Northwestern Europe, in Scotland, Ireland, the British Isles, Wales, Brittany, where the November 1st marked the demarcation between summer and winter. It was called Samhain, which technically means summer's end. So it was the end of summer, time to gather your herds together and get together, get the tribes together, a lot of eating and drinking and playing games. But because it was on the cusp of winter, because it was sitting there right on the edge of the dark and dangerous season, there was always a supernatural element to this time of year. It was, they believed that this was the night that the fairy mounds opened and all sorts of creatures could come out of them. But the other world was present and you could also go missing in the other world on this night. So this kind Mm -hmm. of ghostly aspect of Halloween has been there since the beginning. Oh, interesting. You know, in the Roman Empire, Christianity and Catholicism prevail. So how did the Celtic holiday Samhain turn then into All Saints and All Souls Day? 
it's like they coexist. So there okay. still is a Samhain. I mean, even even in the 20th century, you can still find people in Ireland that, that mark Samhain. And you can find it among contemporary pagans today. But the church did put two of their very important holidays at this time of year. All Saints Day, which is November 1st, gave Halloween its name. It's All Saints was known as All Hallows in parts of the British Isles. So All Hallows Eve became Halloween. And All Souls Day added to its kind of spirit-filled juju in that All Souls Day is the day to remember the dead in the Catholic Church. And so again, you have the the creatures from another world, the other world that are associated with this time of year. Mm. So when you say All Hallows Eve, I'm thinking about our modern term Halloween. Where does, I, I can kind of guess where the hollow comes from, but what does ween? Why, why Halloween? <laughs> good question. So it's All Hallows, meaning Hallows is holy or saint or saintly man. So mm. All Saints is All Hallows. And then Een is a very shortened way of saying evening. So oh. All Hallows Evening is Halloween. That makes a whole lot of sense. I'm glad you cleared that up. <laughs> so then how about the early stages of Halloween? How did it come to the United States and what did the early colonial celebrations look like? Okay, so because it came to the United States after the colonies, after the colonial period, the Irish, Scottish, some British Im immigrants came to the United States and brought some of their Halloween folklore with them and some of their practices and the things that they did and how they celebrated that night. But more, probably more importantly than that, in the second half of the 1800s, after the Civil War, newspapers and magazines started to run articles about this quaint holiday from Highland, Scotland, and Ireland that people celebrated called Halloween that had to do with the spirit world and telling the future and having parties and gathering together the outside and bringing an inside, like decorating with cornstalks and pumpkins and things like that. And it was the Victorians in our country that kind of threw the first Halloween parties. They read about it. Oh. They heard about it. They loved the folklore of it. And they adopted the holiday full on. That I want to get a little bit more into the celebrations a little bit later um, because that's, I find that really interesting. But talk to me about the early 20th century, the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts. How does Halloween present itself then? That is really cool because Halloween kind of follows the popular culture waves that mm -hmm. our country went through. So from a, say, late 1800s Victorian holiday, it became a wild populist holiday in the 20th century, when we were welcoming immigrants from all over the world, holidays were one of the ways that we could get people on the same page. And all holidays became important and Halloween among them. So in the early 20th century, Halloween was like a townwide party, a huge parade, a big civic occasion. And it, it went, it continued to be that way well into First World War, I would say until the depression when it, when things changed so then how do you think you, you mentioned halloween in the midst of all of those other holidays is something that we kind of adapted uh, how do you think halloween itself turned into the cultural stronghold that we know it to be today i think that it it 
it answers some of the things that our culture needs. And that changes decade to decade or period to period. So, mm. for example, when, when we had these large town-wide celebrations, and still those exist, but in the early 20th century, it was to welcome people in to our culture. And when, after the Second World War, there was a huge baby boom and the advent of sub- suburbs, Halloween became more a trick-or-treat event. It became more a holiday for children because we had all these children and we were, we loved them to death. And so Halloween became (laughs) all about children. In the late 70s and 80s, when we were kind of obsessed with horror movies (laughs) and a lot of late 20th century Michigas, Halloween Mm -hmm. became um, a holiday for adults again, as well as children. So it kind of floats around with what we need and what we're asking for. I feel like inevitably on this podcast, every single topic we talk about when we're talking about history, World War II always comes up. So how do you think that war impacted Halloween? Well, it had a huge impact on Halloween during the war because a lot of towns just shut down the celebration. There was just Mm -hmm. no extra resources to go around. And because Halloween was first tricks before it was treats, there was a lot of mischief that happened on Halloween night and what some might call vandalism. And that was completely not tolerated during World War II when there were such shortages and when we were all on the same page to help the war effort. So Halloween really got tamped down during World War II. Mm. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. So it was more about the tricks than the treats. And then we, of course, moved forward and then trick-or-treating became a thing. How do you think that custom of going door-to-door and asking for candy and and calling it trick-or-treating, how do you think that evolved? Well, it's, it's interesting because even in medieval Europe, this kind of custom existed around the big church holidays. People would disguise themselves, go door to door, and ask for food and drink. And 
sometimes money. And it was a kind of charity. It was a way for the rich to give to the poor. It was a kind of way to share the wealth. It didn't come full-blown to our country. We actually had to reinvent this kind of exchange. And we we came up with trick-or-treat as an answer to all the tricks. There was... Uh, <laughs> oh. kids, kids did a lot of different things back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s that the children today would be aghast at. I mean, you know, <laughs> they, like what? They, they, they painted the principal's house black. What? They put soap on the trolley tracks so the trains would <gasps> kind of slide into each other. They filled Main Street oh with gosh. junk so nobody could get by. They, tore, they tied apartment door handles together so people couldn't open their doors. They removed oh. steps. They put molasses on church pews. They, um, they tripped people. They filled bags of flour and very fancy, fancy dress people in the back with white, white <laughs> flower so socks. Mean. I mean, there was, there was a lot of stuff going on, opening gates, letting animals run wild, throwing furniture up into the trees. This oh. was the sort of thing that over time people grew tired of, <laughs> thought yeah. there must be a better way. And gradually it first started with parties. Let's bring all these kids inside where we can see them. And let's just make a party for them. They'll be distracted. They won't go out. And let's reward anything. them with a party after all this vandalism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and gradually parties came to be individual homeowners, um, kind of preemptively giving away treats so that no tricks would happen to their property. Oh, so this I all started in the United States. I mean, tricking is a big part of any kind of um, dark holiday, a holiday mm -hmm. that happens after dark in, in both Europe and here. But we definitely loved it. Yeah. I thought that teepeeing was bad or doorbell ditching was bad. And now doorbell I feel ditching. a lot better about my, my youth. Okay. So I, after you went through that, I kind of can understand. I heard through the, the grapevine that in the 50s and 60s, there was some pushback against Halloween. Was it because of all of the tricking or was there something else that was causing this pushback? In the 50s and 60s, it was mostly trying to play up treat and play down trick. And I think what made trick, you know, homeowners didn't like it at first. They thought of it as extortion, some of them. It's like, what do you mean I have to have candy for everyone who comes <laughs> by? This is crazy. But over time, everyone got on the pa same page and they did it because there was a huge kind of a media push. There was a cartoon called um, Donald Duck's Trick or Treat where Huey, Dewey, and Louie kind of showed everyone how to trick or treat. And that cartoon played in movie theaters coast to coast. And then TV shows like Ozzy and Harriet, old TV shows, had Halloween scenes where kids would come to the doorway and Ozzy and Harriet wouldn't know what to do. Well, this is what you do. You have to give them candy. So over time, we kind of got used to the idea of what this might look like. The candy companies got into it. They supported it. I'm sure. And, and, um, <laughs> and finally, UNICEF came up with a brilliant idea. It was a child's idea to collect money on Halloween as well as candy. And so it became oh, a charitable effort. And very few, few people could deny that. Yeah, I, that's a great aspect of Halloween. I, I always love seeing the charitable efforts um, when when we talk about this holiday. So, Leslie, if you're okay with it, I would love to do some rapid fire. Sure. So, first off, why do kids say trick or treat? I know you went through the history, but why do they say it? 
Um, it came out in a magazine article in the in the late 30s. They started calling it. I think it's alliterative. It's fun to mm. say, and, yes. and it actually once had meaning. Those double T's, I love it. So um, why do houses, why was it candy that they wanted to give out just because of the, the children? Yes, it was child-centered at that time. At first it was, you know, apples, popcorn, donuts, homemade treats, but uh, over time packaged candy became easier and we believe safer. Mm, you say apples, why do we bob for apples? It, Let's stick our face in some water and try to dig this out. <laughs> you know, it's been something we've been doing since 17th century Scotland. Um, there's a fortune-telling aspect to it, as there were a lot of old Halloween games. Uh, the first person who managed to snag an apple out of a tub would get the man she wanted to marry her. Mm. So there, was, there was meaning to it. And why do we wear costumes? Costumes um, had to do with tricks. Uh, the original trickers would disguise themselves rather than dress up as something they wanted to be or emulate. So it, it started out more as a disguise. You know, you put on some mm. old clothes and you, you chalk up your face or change it so that you can't be recognized when you're out there stealing gates and um, letting livestock out. That makes so, a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> only when American industry and commerce got into it did we get into the customer's fantasy, which mm. is where we've been for a long time. Yeah. And why do we have haunted houses? I love haunted houses, by the way. You know, again, <laughs> I do too. That started as a charity effort. That started with people like the Junior Chamber of Commerce is looking to make, um, to raise money. And they used a lot of holidays to raise money. But on Halloween, it made sense to build a haunted house and scare people because this is the night of the spirits. Mm, a lot of charity surrounding Halloween. I don't think I knew that. That's great. All right. So I have two questions left for you, Leslie. Um, you know, in a year without COVID, things look a lot different. Adults go to bars and parties to celebrate Halloween for themselves. Now, I know you mentioned earlier that this holiday became one for adults, but why did we see that shift happen? <laughs> yeah, it started, we, the adults started coming back into Halloween in the late 70s and early 80s, and it had to do with a number of things. Number one, nostalgia. There were a lot of kids who grew up during the golden age of trick-or-treating, which I would say is like the 60s maybe in late 50s, where you went out trick-or-treating without parents. You were just running wild in the streets in a costume after dark. Mm -hmm. And a lot of grown-ups did not want to give that up. Also, John Carpenter's 1978 movie, Halloween, had a big effect on the holiday in that it was the first kind of horror movie to be named after Halloween and have Halloween as a theme. And it was the first time Hollywood turned their eyes towards Halloween as being a horror holiday. There, were a, there are a ton of horror fans. And with that movie, fans of Halloween and fans of horror kind of joined together and the whole holiday grew bigger and larger and a little bit more um, visually dangerous, I would say. Hollywood has the, the ability to do that through their movies, huh? You, you look at Halloween now or you watch that movie and it just, it's a little cheesy, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure at the time it was not cheesy. Um, you know, at the end of your writing, uh, you say um, that Halloween hasn't evolved these past 2,000 years in a vacuum. It's always been about who we are and what we as a culture believe is important right now, what we value. For wrapping this, this entire podcast up, Leslie, are you able to just say a little bit more about that and what you meant by it? 
Sure. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, after 9-11, Halloween was six weeks after 9-11, and the largest event, Halloween event in America is the Greenwich Village Parade, Halloween Parade. And there was a lot of back and forth, should the parade happen, should it not happen? Because it makes New York a target again, or, and on the other side, it was like, how can we stop this tradition that we've had for a long, long time, this very important to many people. It was Giuliani's call and he decided to go ahead with the parade. And that parade began with a baby Phoenix puppet and a band and the Phoenix gradually grew larger and higher and higher in the streets. And the people that were in the parade and in the crowd said it was the first time they felt New York breathe again. Mm. And so it, in that way, Halloween was, was the vehicle to get, again, everybody on the same page for a night facing the same way. So we can do that sort of thing in our culture. What an incredible way to bring together uh, people. And I know that's something we definitely need right now with uh, the pandemic. And, you know, this is an election year. So hopefully Halloween is able to do that for us again this year. Leslie, thank you so much for joining. We really appreciate it. a lot of really great information here. Well, thank you. All right, if you missed anything from class, these are my office hours, and here are some top takeaways from my conversation with Leslie Bannatine on Halloween. Number one, the name Halloween comes from All Hallows' Eve, Hallows meaning holy man or saint. The ween is a shortened version of the word evening, so Halloween quite literally means the evening of All Saints' Day. Number two, Leslie says that our modern understanding of trick-or-treating came out of a necessity to stop the tricking that many kids engaged in in the 19th and early 20th centuries. Leslie explains that today we would be shocked by the antics that kids in the U.S. used to partake in. So to stop kids from painting their school principals' houses black and participating in other antics, homeowners began hosting Halloween parties and serving treats as a preemptive measure to dissuade kids from wreaking havoc in their towns. And number three, Halloween isn't always about tricks. Since the beginning, Halloween has had a deep-rooted tradition in giving to others. Post-World War II, UNICEF actually began a campaign that inspired trick-or-treaters to collect donations for charity as they went door-to-door. Charitable Halloween traditions continue now across the country. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Getting Schooled. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.